Hi, welcome to this episode of the Wisdom of Pope Francis podcast. I am John Holowaty, your host, and this is the third and final installment of a conversation I had with Ryan Mayer about the Pope's encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si. Laudato Si is a letter written essentially from Pope Francis to the world about the need to care for our common home, planet Earth, and also each other. Ryan has been explaining the background of the letter, giving context to this encyclical, and giving an overview of what it's about. After this episode, I will be continuing week by week, chapter by chapter, digging into this powerful and timely letter from the Pope to the world, trying to tease out some implications for our own lives. All right, with that introduction, here's our conversation. That seems to be a big theme of his pontificate, of, of the connectedness of everybody and, and the need to, to recognize that connectedness. I remember reading through Fratelli Tutti his emphasis on uh, the fact that we cannot think anymore about our neighbor as just being like someone down the street. You know, we need to think of our neighbor as someone who is in another country. And unfortunately, that, that, may, that may be overwhelming and that may be really far out there, but it's still, it's very important that we have that kind of attitude. Yeah, I think there's a connection between between those two points or between the these points made which which as you said are made in both of these encyclicals. And and he uses this phrase uh in the encyclical, uh he says that we are ontological brothers and sisters. And what he means by that is well, let's think about it first on the level of people. We have our immediate families. We're, we we're related to people by blood. That's an important relation. But we tend to think that the further outside of our immediate family you get, the less related to each other we are. And he's sort of saying the opposite, that by virtue of the fact that each of us is brought into being by God, known by God, has God as our father, that we are all siblings on a, on a much more fundamental level than any other kind of relationship, right? And we are ontological brothers and sisters. We are metaphysical brothers and sisters because the origin of our very being is in God. He points this out in Fratelli Tutti, but he's saying the same thing about creation. He says, we, we, we can't just see the rest of the world and, and other people. He actually has a lot to say about the way we treat people too in, <laughs> in this encyclical, but um, we can't just treat the rest of the world as if uh, we're indifferent to it, or as if it only matters insofar as we we use it or intersect with it, or it happens to be immediately around us. But the world also is our ontological sibling, because it has God ultimately as its origin. Does that, does that kind of go back to the idea too? Like I think of the St. Francis poem, like, you know, uh, brother, son, sister, moon, not to get all pantheistic about it, but it's like, anyway, that sounds a lot like that poem. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And actually, he uh, that and uh, maybe we should have said this at the beginning. This is where the um, name of the encyclical comes from, right? Laudato si means praise be to you in in Italian, and um, which usually encyclicals take their name from the Latin, uh, and he chose to take the name of this encyclical from the Italian, uh, and that phrase is the first part of the 
canticle of St. Francis, as, as you pointed out. In fact, these are the first words of the encyclical, Laudato si, mi signore, which means uh, praise be to you, my Lord. Um, yeah, so absolutely, and he gives us a little section of that canticle in the first, uh, the first paragraph of the encyclical. This is not panthe- pantheism. Some Christians squirm a little bit when they when they hear this kind of language. And and to be sure, I mean, th- there's plenty of pantheism to go around in our culture today. But um, there's nothing pantheistic about acknowledging that you and everyone else and you and the rest of creation ultimately have God as your origin. That's not pantheism at all. Mm-hmm, right. That's called Judeo-Christianity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, sh- I should probably be more specific, too, with that, because I kind of threw pantheism out there. That, um, and I, this is actually a topic I was wanting to kind of get to a little bit, too, because there's a, I do get people um, who kind of respond on my blog sometimes or who, or I just hear in general of folks who are like, you know, Pope Francis doesn't talk about anything truly distinctly Catholic. Like, he just keeps, he keeps talking about uh, th- things outside the church, like the environment, or things outside the church, like how countries should be run or, or things like that. But we wish he'd just come back to, you know, the plain, simple gospel message or come back to the, you know, theological things like Pope Benedict did or things like that. I'm wondering what you would say to that. Yeah, I would ask them if they've ever, ever actually read any of Pope Benedict's <laughs> encyclicals or or anything by John Paul II, because um, I, I don't I don't I think that's a, a misplaced uh, criticism to some degree. Um, one thing I will say, and then we'll come back to this question, is there are some things that he acknowledges in the encyclical that are that that are observations that he makes that are uh, subjective observations in the sense that. He's making the observation, but you're not, as a Catholic, obliged to agree with the facts of that observation. So, for example, when he cites statistics about loss of biodiversity, that's not a, a doctrinal statement, right? You, you, don't, you don't have to agree with that. Um, that said, the moral, uh, the moral and religious principles that he's going to then apply to that, as a Catholic, you're obliged to accept, um, but when the Pope speaks about economics, for example, um, there are a lot of Catholic economists who will say, well, wait, wait a minute, I don't know if that's exactly right. You know, and I'm not an economist, so I'm not going to speak on that. But my point is, okay, fine, fair enough. You're not obliged to agree with the Pope's economic views. Uh, but the important piece is what he's teaching as uh, the vicar of Christ, right? Um, and as insofar as we are sons and daughters of the church, then we are obliged to accept the moral and religious teaching of the church. So you do get some of that sometimes, and I think it's important to point out, like when he makes a comment about air conditioning, it's like, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. But I get your point, right? The point is, I, I understand your point that I need to be more mindful of the extent to which I'm willing to not pay attention to my own actions in the name of comfort, <laughs> right? Like right. that's ultimately yeah. his point. His point's not about air conditioning, you know? So you do find some of that. The other thing, though, is that Christians are, are called to be leaven to the world. The idea that there is this distinct separation between our religious life and our quote-unquote real life is not a Christian notion. Christians are to be builders of the kingdom of God here, not in the political sense, in the overtly political sense, but we are charged with acting virtuously, acting justly, 
and uh, bringing the gospel to the world. So I would be wary of anyone who tries to create a, a, a clear separation between quote-unquote religious or gospel principles and worldly or political uh, ideas. They have to go together. I mean, if you believe that Christ is the Lord of history, then you can't not be concerned about the way of the world. Yeah, I, I think that as a Protestant, before I became Catholic, it was easier to make that kind of distinction, I think, uh, especially when it came to like caring about other people, caring about the world, caring about where it was going. I had much more of a sense of like, uh, have faith in Jesus and that's enough. And, you know, if we do something about the world, okay, that's great, but um, that's kind of a separate thing, you know, whereas in, in the Catholic faith, and I think also in the Gospels, you know, Jesus himself is like the way that you treat other people really matters in terms of whether or not you're even going to go to heaven, you know. And so reading Fratelli Tutti, I remember kind of sat, sitting and thinking about it a little bit more about him spending so much time talking about, you know, social justice. How do we, how do, we do the right thing in the world? How do we look at these systems and change them or do something different or work together? And, I, you know, as a Catholic now, it's like I look at that and go, oh, he's trying to save my soul. Really, he's trying to save my soul. Like, that's, that's how Catholics are supposed to be living. We're supposed to be caring about that sort of thing. And so I know for me, that's how I've been trying to connect it in my own head. Yeah, and this is where that chapter, The Gospel of Creation, I think, comes in. If you take seriously the idea of creation, and you take seriously the idea of the incarnation, that God became a human being, then you have to take seriously your place in the real world as an embodied soul. Uh, and sometimes it's it's easy to get very meta or very gnostic even about our about our faith and say no it doesn't really as long as it's in my head and my heart it doesn't really matter what I do in the world or I'm not I'm not really called to live this out as long as you know I have the right theological ideas and that itself is a wrong theological idea right so if you take seriously the idea of the incarnation then 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 things matter uh, and how you live and how you act matter we mentioned when this came out that everyone sort of dug in their heels and tried to look for where the Pope agreed with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that certainly happened uh, on, this, I would say, the side of the, the so-called environmental movement. But then there were, there were some who only, who only wanted to hear about certain things, too. But you do find in, in this encyclical, again, and it's because everything is connected, the Pope takes a very strong attack with the throwaway culture as it applies to human beings. He's very clear in this encyclical about our obligation to care for the vulnerable, to care for the unborn, um, to care for the elderly, who are often part of the throwaway culture, right? He also has some, some very strong things to say about gender ideology. And again, this goes back to the, to the, the point that if we take seriously the idea that we are embodied, then that has that means something that has certain consequences. This idea that our bodies are not our real selves or that they're not an essential part of what it means to be a human being, he has some, some strong words for, setting aside, uh, obviously, the need to be pastoral there. But, but the point is, again, as you said, if, you, if we take seriously the idea of creation, the idea of incarnation, then we have to take those things seriously. And frankly, I, I'm really glad that there is now, as part of the body of Catholic social teaching in the 20th and 21st century now, that the Church is speaking clearly on ecological matters, because there have been plenty of voices uh, in this arena already, and most of them have not been very helpful. 
don't we kind of want, as Catholics, as Christians, the church to speak the gospel when it comes to uh, how we ought to treat the world? I, I think this is the beginning. It could be the beginning of a real uh, renaissance in understanding uh, for, for Catholics to understand their role in caring for creation. I think this is really important. I think it's an underappreciated and underspoken about area that Christianity should already be ahead of the ahead of the game with, right? Because again, of what we believe about the world, uh, the fact that it's a gift from God, and about our responsibility to care for it. Those are essential Christian beliefs. They go back to Genesis. So in some ways, this teaching is is a little late, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I'm glad that it's there because otherwise the other voices are going to be the ones that the world hears. This has been so good. Thank you for for coming on here. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm like spacing out a ton because it's weird. It's <laughs> this whole setup is weird. <laughs> and you've done a great job of like talking, but I'm like I'm used to having like a piece of paper with like everything written out that I'm going to say. So <laughs> it's a little awkward for me. Um, but no, so Ryan Mayer, thank you so much for coming out. Um, I appreciate you uh, just illuminating the text for us. And um, it would be cool to have you on again at some point. I, I don't I don't know when. Yeah. Or, um, I would love that. And, uh, you know, there's so much more to say about this. We didn't talk about Romano Guardini. You know, we didn't even talk about what uh, the encyclical has to say about the role of work in the family. And, and like the writing style of Pope Francis, I feel like our conversation was a little all over the place, but that's all right. It's a good preview of Love Out to See if you haven't read it. Edit, edit, edit. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all sound coherent when we're done. (laughs) Yeah, no. So I, okay, great. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Let's do it again. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Wisdom of Pope Francis podcast. As always, if you have any thoughts of your own about what we talked about or about this letter in general, please let me know. I always enjoy getting feedback, being challenged, and being encouraged by the insights others have to offer. You can contact me or leave a comment at johnnycatholic.wordpress.com. I hope you have a great week. God bless.